Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. It's 1.28 a.m. in Salem, Massachusetts, and you're listening to Night Call. Welcome to Night Call, a podcast for your strange days and lonely nights. I am in Los Angeles. My name is Tess Lynch. With me is Molly Lambert. And over in New York, we have Emily Yoshida. Hello. 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 Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail <laughs> Satan. Now we don't have to laugh when we say Hail Satan, and you will find out why momentarily. <laughs> So um, this week, we have a very special guest on the pod. We talked to her just a little bit ago, but through the magic of editing, we are about to talk to her. Um, It's Penny Lane. She's a filmmaker we really like, and she did a movie we really like called Hail Satan. Hail Satan. (laughs) We'll be chatting with her in just a second. But first, we wanted to take a moment to just tip our cowboy hats to the Yeehaw agenda, which we all at Nightcall have decided to support. Sure. Wholeheartedly. Yeah, Song of the Summer uh, from Lil, Lil Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus. I am. Um, I feel like this Song of the Summer discourse is mostly dead and buried, but I'm willing to exhume it uh, this year for this song, especially this song coming out in um, in on an April, particularly the remix featuring Billy Ray Cyrus. This song um, has brought people together. The song uh, is Old Town Road. 
by the way. Yeah, Old Town <laughs> Road. Like, circling around saying it like it's... Um, like the horses like are circling more. the wagons around? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I heard someone refer to Lil Nas X as Lil Nasen X, and now I can't see that without being like Lil Nasen X, <laughs> which is also because it's spring, it's allergy season. Lil Nasen yeah. X. Well, Lil Nas X, who may or may not have been a tweet decking Nicki Minaj... Uh, I don't care. I love it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Get yeah. it. Get it. Get it any way you can. It's Nobody also got- like that's just like working at Walgreens now. Like, oh, he's oh, a team used, from somewhere. Yeah. yeah, you used the internet to try and make yourself famous. Money. Welcome yeah. to 2019. I'm yeah. I'm a little less on board with the song itself than you guys. Wow. But as you know, I do love a crossover hit. But this, it's like I I can't deal with the well, minor key songs re- recently. Well, you're not I, down with Nine Inch Nails. I'm like, too fucking <laughs> fragile right now. The, I I need bangers fragile. only. Bangers. It is only, a please. banger though. He's got the horses in the back and Wrangler on his booty. Can't tell me nothing uh, the billy ray cyrus remix um which truly elevates us to song of the summer because the other reason this yeah, is the song re- of the goes summer straight to the remix is that though. it went to number one on the country charts and then billboard decided it wasn't a country song because they are racist yep uh, mm-hmm. and that is the reason why because there are so many songs on the country charts right now that are totally rap country oh yeah crossovers. yeah yeah rap country has existed for a it's long existed time forever like, white people do it all the time yeah. there's so much talk rapping especially on mainstream country radio which yeah. Tess and i both secretly listen to all, all the, the time, time. it's um, all like get in my car it's all just spoken like now yeah Sam Hunt, Sam Hunt does that Sam thing. Sam Hunt, like yeah. I met a girl and then she came. He's to my like the Drake bar. of country. Uh, he is not my favorite at no. all. Uh, <laughs> but the Lil Nas X song, when you hear it, it is like anthemic. It's an earworm. It just brings me down a notch. Like I want it to just lift me up. You know, there's a lot of sad songs about horses. That's my thing. They gotta run away, know. run yeah. free. I mean, he just wants to ride until he can't no more. I'm, I'll allow it. And I also love that the visual for it on the official YouTube link Red is Dead. Red Dead Redemption, <laughs> yeah. which just takes it to another place. I just feel like, I feel like the the crux of the Yeehaw agenda, if that's what we're calling it right now, is like this reclamation of cowboy imagery for all people, um, and well, also like a this, post-digital age, which yes, is, um, and this I'm is, all for. It's this, not like country music stopped being popular. It's just no, like, but this is. Been a thing I've been thinking about since they were mean to Beyonce yeah. at the CMA yeah. Awards um, yeah. because that was right before the election. And I remember thinking, like, what the fuck is wrong with people? Yeah. Why aren't they just like welcoming Beyonce for deigning to give country music a bump on the right. TV show? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they were so mean and racist about it. And I was like, maybe America has a lot of problems we haven't really dealt with yet. Mm-hmm. And then I like, could it be? <laughs> I couldn't listen to mainstream country music for a while after that because yeah. I was like, wow, if I just think about all these people being racist, it makes me like. I don't think that it's necessarily the all the artists, but I think it's like a lot of the kind of powers that I went through. A, it's definitely a bunch of the artists. I went through a period. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. And not just old school people, which is what's weird. Right. Um, and, I went, yeah. and again, I went through a period where I was just like any song that had country in it, I would just like replace it with racist in my mind. Yeah. And that was a fun game to allow me to listen to those songs. Still. I'm a little bit racist. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit racist. <laughs> or a little bit rock and Whatever roll. makes you racist. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that's what makes you racist. Yeah. It works. It works. It, it works. Checks out. But um, this is the Lil Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus song has will allow country music to redeem itself mm-hmm. um, by welcoming Lil Nas X into the country establishment as they should. As they should. Mm-hmm. I still agree with that. Yeah. They put the song, I believe the remix, the Billboard decided also is not, they still won't put it on the country charts, but it went to number one on the Hot 100. So in a way, 
it's been good for the song as publicity. Yeah. Like yeah. when they banned that Sex Pistols song and it made it right. be a hit. Shout I'm, out to Jonesy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shout out Jonesy. <laughs> uh, so I've heard it just playing out of every car I've driven past. I mean, it's going to be like the party song. Like when it comes yeah. on and you're at a barbecue this yeah. summer, you're going to get up I'm and saying. try to line dance. And it's like, like <laughs> it's payback for Post Malone. Yes. You yeah. Know? Who also I mean, makes stuff that he claims is like sort of country, but is essentially country rap, which yeah. counts as country. It's country. I entered a contest that like landed in my inbox to go to Stagecoach. Hell yeah. Uh, like all Ooh. expenses paid. <laughs> and then immediately I was like, oh, it's so white. But, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, but I still want to go. I'm just like, oh, what if I get there and suddenly I'm like. No, I mean, it's like, send Nightcall to Stagecoach. Obviously, oh, yeah. we would go. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about it. Also, isn't it funny that like just a few months ago, people saw Star is Born. They're like, this isn't like realistic. This guy wouldn't be popular. <laughs> well, this was in uh, Kate Raff's presentation that I was part of. A Star is Born takes place in a universe where 9-11 right. never happened. Right. And right. one of her tenets was that. That um, that country music would have continued to become more progressive in the non nine eleven mm-hmm. universe instead of the reactionary swing to the, the right Toby that Keith. it made after nine yeah. eleven with Toby Keith and all that stuff. Country music would have become more more welcoming. Tess is looking at me like I'm insane because I'm no. blowing her mind. Uh, yes, because it's hundred percent real. <laughs> it's, 100% it's a real theory. I was like, Wait and a in fact, since this has happened, I have been wondering if this means the universes are crossing back over. Yeah. I think maybe the good universe is trying to break on through. Oh, it hurts my brain. <laughs> I think I think you just you just created a neural pathway that didn't Check exist Check out Kate Raft. She's on Jack AM, which is my favorite daily morning show podcast. <laughs> um, and now on to our interview with Penny Lane. Eight, five, twelve, twelve, fifteen. You guys. Summer is coming. I know, Molly, you're in L.A. and summer is probably like already too much and you're probably melting in the heat already. But in New York, it just got to be like 70 degrees for the first time. And it's uh, incredibly exciting. I love to go to Prospect Park and uh, maybe take a little bit of rosé with me because I am a basic. I enjoy being basic on occasion. And one of the things that is sort of a pet peeve of mine is on a hot summer day, you want to take your wine, your beer, whatever it is to the park, and about an hour in, in the sweltering heat because of global warming and other things as well, uh, it is room temperature or warm. It's just a bummer. I mean, it's not going to stop me from drinking the wine, but I would prefer if it was still chilly and refreshing the way that God intended so that is why Brewmate is such an incredible new invention to kind of save the summer picnic. Brewmate makes super high quality insulated wine carriers, uh, beer carriers, uh, carafes, everything you need to bring your favorite adult and non-adult all ages beverages uh, out in the world with you and keep them cold and refreshing. It also works for iced coffee just as well if you're, like me, not a big wine drinker and more of an iced tea or coffee person. You can even bring cold water in it if you just want to stay hydrated and have your water... Stay hydrated. Be cold. Yeah, it's good to be cold. Just stick some ice cubes in your roommate and you have a uh, cold drink of water all day long. They also come in a lot of really nice designs. Yeah. There are literally zillions of designs. I got the uh, white marble 
carafe and uh, matching cups to go with it so that everything is matchy-matchy and I, I know which one one is mine when uh, it's time to clean up the picnic. I got one in kind of a wood grain, which I like. It's a Ooh. little natural selection. Very outdoorsy of you. I love that we're both really into the idea of drinking cold beverages outside. If there's one thing we're enthusiastic about, it's oh my pic- God, yes. having a picnic. Listen, it's about to be like 110 degrees in Los Angeles. Oh, it I'm already sure. is today. I wish <laughs> yeah. I had a cold like, iced coffee in my roommate right now. There's nothing more of a bummer than coming back into your car in L.A. on a hot day and your only water you left in the car and it's like boiling hot and also probably filled with BPA toxins because it's just like a flimsy plastic bottle. That's just a bad it's just a bad summer feeling. But with Brewmate, you can keep all of your beverages the exact temperature you want them to be, preferably ice cold for the next few months. Yeah. If you wanted it to be hot for some reason, it could also do that. I also drink hot tea from it. Yeah, it's it's fully insulated. So right now, Brewmate is giving our listeners a special discount of 15% off of your first order when you go to www.brewmate.com and use our code NIGHTCALL. That's 15% off when you use our code NIGHTCALL, N-I-G-H-T-C-A-L-L, at B-R-U-M-A-T-E.com. Don't let the summer heat ruin your drink. Go to brewmate.com and beat the heat this summer. 12, 9, 20, 5, 14, 5, 18, 19. So we are now joined here in the studio in New York with Penny Lane. Uh, she's a documentary filmmaker. She has a new film out this week. Uh, if you're listening to this. All right. That's right. I'm always in this weird time warp where I'm like, are we this week or next week? Um, Called Hail Satan. It was at Sundance this year, and now it's out in select theaters. It is uh, highly recommended by Team Nightcall. She's also done a bunch of other films we're big fans of, uh, particularly R. Nixon. We were big R. Nixon fans back in the day. Yeah, R. Nixon Hive. Yeah, yeah. You you guys are like everyone's dad. Perfect. (laughs) We are everybody's dad, though. This is a dad pod, for sure. Um, And also Nuts, which is like a completely uh, bonkers film that was so fun. It was also another Sundance thing that I saw a couple years ago. You can't say what it is without describing it so that people know that it's about a doctor who implanted goat testicles into human men uh, to cure impotence. The more you know. The more you know. (laughs) Also, Penny, I didn't realize that you had um, a documentary about Morgellons. Sure did. (laughs) I just found out. Molly and I spent many hours uh, (laughs) back in the day being like, is it real? Is it not real? What is it? So I'm excited to see that next. Yeah, one of the less fun topics that I've covered. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. I it's haven't a heavy seen that topic. film either. When did that? Um, when did you? It do was that? like last year. Last year. Okay, yeah. what's it called? The Pain of Others. The Pain of Others. That's okay. your cue that it's like yeah. not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> this was also that was like a found. It, that was using mostly like first person YouTube. Yeah, the whole are, yeah the, the whole film is made up of these wow. YouTube vlogs of Morgellons sufferers. Yeah. Yeah, which I've definitely spent a long time on. Have you? Like, I feel like a lot of us. We all, that was one of the first things that drew us together, I think. Was more gallons. The skin worms. I didn't buy a hairbrush recently because the bristles were like rainbow colored plastic. Oh, yeah, don't go there. It reminded me too much of more gallons. Yeah. 
gosh. For people who don't know, listeners who don't know, could there be anyone who doesn't know? We have oh, to talk lots about of people it. Now we know. have to say. We can I'll briefly let Penny explain more say what it is. But yeah. Well, Morgellons is a, a very mysterious illness uh, that was discovered or first, I guess, ha- happened to people about 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, and the symptoms of the disease are like out of a sci-fi movie. So the main diagnostic is that out of your skin grows multicolored fibers that are made of something mysterious that don't burn under extremely high heat and may or may not move around like little machines. Mm-hmm. They look like little... Um, like Everyone in this room looks really sick right mo- now. Because <laughs> they itch a lot, too. Yeah, there's the, the itching and the yeah. feeling yeah. of bugs people, under your skin. People describing it, that's the thing, is like people describing it, it's impossible to tell apart from like methamphetamine right. psychosis. Yes, it has it's all very the similar. same symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> Except and for the multiple colored, the rainbow colored right. fiber. Right. It's gotta be a rainbow it's a little more psychedelic. And there's also yeah. a touch of like would anyone think they had this if the internet didn't tell them it was a thing they could have. Yeah, it's one right, of those right. things where you start Googling symptoms and then you're like, oh, wait a second. Could it be mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, Joni Mitchell has it. And has yes. talked about it yeah. in interviews, which I think boosted it its signal a bit. Um, I think um, having imaginary diseases is unfortunately going to become even more popular in forthcoming years. Womp womp. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just. I just think it's true. Well, way more oh. fun than that was were the Satanists that we met in Hail Satan. Yeah. Hail Satan. The Satan. Hail Satan. Yeah. Hail Satan. It, yeah, how Satan. do you pronounce it when you <laughs> actually have to say the name of your your film? Because I just say Hail Satan. Okay. But I like watching other people pronounce it, like, with the question mark at the end of it, because it's really funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the question mark is, like, kind of the crux of the film, right. too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because the film is, uh, it, so it's about the Satanic Temple, which, as we were discussing off pod, is very different, and we must make the distinction between it and the Church of Satan. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, and so tell us a little bit, just for people who haven't seen the film, um, because I guess that'll be everybody when this comes out, (laughs) but (laughs) just about, like, the basic premise in this group of people that you kind of followed for how how long? About three years. Three years? Oh, wow. wow. The Satanic Temple is a new religious movement that started in 2013 basically as a joke, like, amongst a few people Mm -hmm. with a sense of humor, and like a political activist bent. And then within months of that sort of initial joke had blossomed into an internationally recognized, organized religious movement with hundreds of thousands of members. And so I was like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> how, how did they get from A to B? And that was definitely like the question that I was trying to answer with the movie was, you know, sort of what is going on here? Like, is it a joke or not? You know, that was kind of my initial yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's. I, I the opening scene is that must have been really really early on. In yeah, were, and I yeah. wasn't there, right? So oh, like, okay. if this is a six year story, yeah. because they got started in 2013, yeah. I showed up in 2016. 2016, okay, yeah, yeah, because that was before that was still when it was kind of just a conceptual thing, a movement for to basically like prove a point about religious freedom in America, and uh, it definitely has a different look. It's definitely a little more Halloween store. Than, <laughs> than how it gets to be later on. Although there's always like a, a, a tinge of Halloween store. Yeah, the Halloween the store never really goes away. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's what's great about Satanism. It is. <laughs> so for our audience, let's do a brief explainer on the history of Satanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. 
Anton LaVey. Yes. Yes. Founded the Church of Satan in Penny. Do we know what what decade? June sixth, nineteen sixty six. Wow. All right. Right up the that dome. late. Yeah. And also kind of invented the idea of like the media. The using Satanism as a vehicle to like get on talk shows, yeah, yeah, and then use it to your own ends, and so the Satanic Temple, which is not the Church of Satan, the Satanic Temple took that kind of template to talk about free speech and the idea of America being like supposedly a pluralistically religious country, and the reality that it is a very prejudiced country, and be like. Let's force people who want to have the Ten Commandments as a statue to put up our Satan statue. Yeah. Baphomet. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I, I liked when somebody at one point pronounced it Baphomet. Baphomet. And I was like, <laughs> French. <laughs> well, I was a little upset when they were like, we gave it the abs of Iggy Pop and like it's supposed to have breasts, but we didn't give it breasts. I know. that would be overkill. I was totally like, wow, I must be a real like... You know, Baphomet I, purist. Yeah, like a purist Satanist. Yeah. yeah, I was like, well, if it doesn't have breasts, it's not it's a real Baphomet. Oh, you yeah. are you are not alone. You can yeah. go on the internet and find many people who are happy to complain about the lack no. of breasts with you. That's the, the, other, the, the other Baphomet purists out there. When the Satanic feminists break off, I think right. Night Call is ready for them. Also, the props. <laughs> um, speaking of nudity, the Satanic Temple was featuring a lot of the peen in the performance yeah. art that accompanied. I think uh, Jack Blackmore Jex. was the the, big, the yeah. Detroit chapter, they were big yeah. on the uh, a male body, which I appreciated. Yeah, so Night Call also, all for equal nudity. All for equal yeah. nudity. We've been on an erotic <laughs> odyssey. I was like, this is We the weren't most trying to bring it to Hail Satan. But yeah, but look. Documentaries often show a lot more penis than anything else will show. It's so. right. Yep, it's true. Good kept, for depicting reality. I kept reality. waiting for our distributor to like, you know, say, when are you planning on blurring out those flopping penises all over the movie and they were like what no and I was like oh, great great good I mean, nice. you're in hail for Satan. a Satan documentary you better be I mean I do kind of like how whenever somebody does say hail Satan in the movie there is sort of a giggle after oh, yeah. it like yeah. it's always no like everybody can be completely straight faced about the actual principles that the that the t- temple is standing for because they are very real like that's mm-hmm. kind of the amazing thing about the film is that what starts off as like a conceptual gag becomes like a very real and like something that everybody's deeply invested in within the temple because they are it's like i think it's especially interesting like the how many you know kind of people who said they didn't have any Anything that they felt that they were um, not privileged about or like out uh, like an other or something uh, and mm-hmm. then becoming a part of the church or the temple rather. I can't say I can't say church. Um, be, becoming a part of the temple and suddenly being involved in the struggle. It's like, oh, this must be what it's like for everybody who's not a part of like the quote unquote majority uh, American culture. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of are like juggalos. They're a little bit juggalo adjacent. It's like, like they're in on the joke, outsiders. Kind of. You mean like, but yeah, and like maybe in the service of good of just like people yeah. that like need to put their energy towards something, and yeah. like especially maybe some young white men who would yeah. otherwise go in some right. bad directions to direct it towards like, oh, freedom of religion is good. Well, first, a lot of them were coming out of the church itself, oh, yeah. like Christianity, yeah. <laughs> which is like, of course, but was fascinating to me also but then a lot of them also went through some kind of atheist stage and I thought that was also interesting that they said didn't offer the community that being a part of a temple being a part of an organized religion offers yeah and I think that that like that becomes sort of lost I think in a lot of especially like debates over secularism and stuff is that there are like 
good aspects to organize religion that like build community and like make right. you feel accountable to like a group of people. It's just people like, crave human connection in yeah. groups. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Penny, I wanted to ask you what you saw over the course of your three years with them in terms of like the evolution of this group, because it is so new and it was really interesting to see how, you know, it kind of came together. And then in a way, like they had to worry about brand messaging and all of this kind of like they were using like corporate speak in these meetings. So what kind of things did you see change within the group? And like, where do you think they're going from here? I think exactly what you just said was the main change, right? I mean, if you look at just, say, Lucian Greaves, who mm -hmm. is the co-founder and spokesperson of the Satanic Temple, in the first few minutes of our film, he, you know, busts out at the grave site of Fred Phelps's mother and, like, teabags her grave. So he's clearly, like, kind of a wacky, out-there kind of guy who just does whatever crazy thing. It seems appealing to him, a bit anarchistic, like, let's bring more chaos into the world. But by the end of the film, he has to perhaps reluctantly uh, excommunicate people who are doing things that are really radical and, and really aren't kind of on message with their their kind of whole institutional idea. So, I mean, that's what was interesting. I mean, you know, the whole yeah. kind of basic irony and questionable sustainability of an organized satanic religion, you know, manifesting into an institution when like kind of your MO, if you're a Satanist, is that you hate institutions <laughs> yeah. and like don't want to be part of a group. Like how is that going to move into the future? And so watching those conflicts develop over time was was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they handled it pretty civilly. I mean, I was just looking at Jex Blackmore's um, Twitter and she is she was excommunicated. She was, um, I think, the head of the Detroit chapter. Yes. And I think had been good friends with Lucian Greaves for a long time. Um, and it seemed like it was kind of like definitely feelings were hurt, but it was so much more civil than one would have imagined when this is like based on, you know, really edgy performance art and like, you know, the kind of building of this movement. Do you feel like there is a way for them to kind of like keep their message on brand or is that kind of like does that, you know, run afoul of like what their whole thing stands for? I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, I separate in my mind the religion of Satanism from the institution of the Satanic Temple. I mean, I don't right. know what's going to happen to the institution, it's basically held together with rubber bands and like a lot of whiskey. Like, yeah. it's just <laughs> volunteers who are like doing this at night when their kids are asleep and their day job is done. It's not as organized as it looks from the outside. And, you know, I think if 75% of those who are involved in leadership tomorrow quit, the whole thing would literally fall apart. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not like, in organized like religion so in that things. way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they've managed to do a lot with like a little. Like yeah. really no yeah. money, no no organizational abilities necessarily. Like, you know, just a really inc incredible message and symbolism. I saw that they were doing Indiegogo for like a couple things. Mm -hmm. But did they, are they doing like Kickstarter? Like what are they doing? They literally make like, like they sell t-shirts. Yeah. They sell That's merch. It. Did they make any money uh, when they got sued or when they sued Sabrina the Teenage Witch for using the Baphomet statue without Whoa, what? copyright. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Forgot about <laughs> that. <laughs> Where have you been? Uh, yikes. Uh, they settled, so we don't know. Right? Like, we don't know what happened. Wow. That was one of those things where I was like, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because people were like, they use the statue that seems old, but it's actually so recent right. that it's, like, very It doesn't easy. seem that old. <laughs> no, no, if you compare them side by side, there's really no doubt that, yeah. like, whoever designed yeah. that statue and Sabrina, like, literally just copied yeah. their Baphomet monument. 
Yeah. I mean, the, their the legacy eggs, lives on. I mean, you know, because it doesn't have breasts, right? Right, like, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> it's got those Iggy Pop It's abs. got the Iggy Pop, um, <laughs> Iggy Pop torso. That was my favorite part. <laughs> Speaking oh of God. this kind of stuff, the thing, one of the moments that blew my mind in this documentary was the fact that the Ten Commandments yes. um, statues were props yes. for the movie. Whoa. I mean, had but, no but idea. then you zoom in on them. Like, I, I guess I never looked at one of these mo- monuments close enough. And they do have a, so on the tablets, they have a picture of tablets and they are the tablets from the Ten Commandments, Cecil B. It the was Mill the movie. wildest thing. But then the irony of like Pure Flix coming back and like, you know, right. funding. It's all like the fact that it is like this movie sandwich of just like <laughs> Christian <laughs> filmmaking that, that gets Ten Commandments on the lawn of, 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 you know, federal and state property. But it's amazing because, like, you know, you have Senator you know, Jason Raybert or any number of kind of contemporary politicians with a completely straight face making the argument that the Ten Commandments monuments on, on government property are, like, a really integral part of yeah. our American history and yeah. heritage. And you're like, you know damn well where those came from. Mm-hmm. They came from Paramount right. Pictures to promote a movie starring Charlton Heston. Like, yeah. so within one generation, you know, you've got quite uh like yeah quite a distance you've moved right you know? well that's like all the confederate monuments are pretty recent. right right yeah. people right. think they're like from the era but they're like very recent specifically built to like and they're built by a generation that, that wasn't in the war like but has yeah. romanticized it like you know the dw griffith generation right. yeah. you know also like none of these statues are that old we can knock them all down <laughs> and, or you can drive your car into them as we saw <laughs> well there's another thing there was another like statue it wasn't from the ten commandments i think there was like a all this ancient egyptian stuff buried in the sand wait what in- there was just like a whole set of an ancient civilization that they then filmed on a beach and then they just oh. buried it in the sand. And so it became oh. like a buried ancient civilization, but from like a movie made in the 1920s. Oh, man. That's Love amazing. that stuff. Can you imagine how many like 10 year old kids just got so tricked? They were like, look, I found. Oh, wait. Oh, but it's still. Oh, no. Still just as cool. I mean, so much of the movie just becomes, like, about these weird mirrors of, like, what America is or, like, what people think it is, both on, like, the religious front and everything else. Uh, The whole dive into the satanic panic stuff in the 80s, of course, which is, like, totally what Mm -hmm. fuels, I think, what the modern imagination thinks of as Satanism. Like, I had never had the irony pointed out to me before watching this film that, like, that was really when the height of, like, uh, the pedophilia and the church was was right. running rampant. And so, like, it was completely projection. I think Lucian is the person who says that in the film. But it's um, it was really wild to think about it that way. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I was not uh, – I was not a sentient being during all of that, but I feel like it kind of lived on in a way into the 90s. Yeah, a little it was bit. in the water like, for a long time. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. a lot recently about how there was so much stranger danger stuff. And then if you watch mm-hmm. a lot of true crime stuff, you're like, oh, people sure were. We've talked about this before. It's just like, oh, people were hitchhiking a lot in the 60s mm-hmm. and 70s. And then there was a lot of like, don't yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And Someone now, might ask you to get in their car. You shouldn't go with them. <laughs> Are you saying that like Stranger Danger was like a, a big oil or like a like a big airline? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> buy a plane, plane ticket instead of getting in a car. Yeah, Nike like, is saying getting cars with strangers. <laughs> see what happens. Maybe a good story will ensue. Maybe the next documentary. Um, 
<laughs> I was curious about Rapert, mm-hmm. uh, who appears in the documentary and is just just seems horrible. Um, he was the Arkansas he... senator, right? Yeah. Yes, the Arkansas senator. Um, do you think that he had kind of an objective view of himself? Like he obviously was doing a lot of kind of Facebook Live and like you know seeming very secure that his position was correct right. um, in having this monument put up. What what was it like to kind of be around him and the Satanists and like what what would you have described the vibe as being? I would say like he absolutely must be smart enough to know what the Constitution says and he like literally doesn't care. Right. Because That's what I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because there are plenty of um, you know American politicians who are very happy to do things that are unconstitutional if it'll get them reelected and that's the category right. of person Jason Rapertson. Like there are lots of people who are super psyched to vote for a guy who like stood up for Christian values especially yeah. Especially against these like Satan bullies, you know, mm-hmm. coming from yeah. Massachusetts, yeah. you know, <laughs> to places. tell Arkansas what to do, yeah. you know. So it's just good for his politics, and you know, it may be bad yeah. for America, but it's going to help him get reelected. What was the mood like when you were actually shooting some of those standoffs between the, <laughs> the Bible folks and the church? Like, as it seemed, it was mostly just honestly depressing. I'm sorry to say, yeah. like, it just felt like so much just willful ignorance, you know, kind of flying around and in, like, weird misplaced fear. Like, people were, like, throwing holy water at me. Uh, and like, like the little plastic yeah. bottle that yeah, you should at one point. Yeah. Somebody makes those. We yeah, find somebody's out. making a buck we off of find, it. like, the Chinese corporation that's making those little plastic mm-hmm. holy water yeah. bottles. <laughs> but, I mean, it was just crazy. Like, it's like, you know, it didn't matter, like, what the Satanists did. There was a kind of a, a psychosis around, like, what people thought they were doing that wasn't right. dissimilar to, like, the Satanic Panic. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter, like, what facts present themselves to you. You still, like, really think you know what's going on, and it's very upsetting to you, and yeah. there's just no breaking through that. Hey, what mm. does that remind you of? Also? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I was wondering also, like, what did this? Did you start making this documentary before or after the election? Before. Election. Oh my god! So what was that like? Like, um, well, first of all, the Satanic Temple had a huge spike in membership, like signups, in the day after the election. Amazing. I mean, it's, I'm <laughs> nice. not particularly surprising. The Satan I mean, it's, bump. Yeah, it's just kind of like the Trump bump. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of like, you know, such desperate times that people are like, fine, like, what do the Satanists have to say? Like, maybe they can help us. <laughs> That's incredible. You know, um, but also, you know, it did make a lot of things feel a lot more urgent, which I know we all feel in different ways in our lives, like all around us. But suddenly it was like, you know, looking at the people that Trump was putting in office and his vice president, who's like literally a straight theocrat, like Mike Pence right. is like proud mm-hmm. to be a theocrat. He like has a theocratic like button on his yeah. shirt, probably. <laughs> Um, you know, and like Betsy DeVos and other people who are like super not that into the whole secular state thing. And seeing that kind of um, definitely put a little more urgency in the whole the whole the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the kind of way that the, the discourse as it were like works in the, the film really made me think about. I don't know. I I guess we're so used to thinking about how this stuff happens online. Right. And like how trolling has become like this way of. Mm -hmm either gumming up the works or getting stuff done. And, yeah. I, th- and I think that it, it was funny because I was recognizing a lot of the techniques of the temple and being mm-hmm. like, this is like shitposting, basically. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I want to kind of unpack it a little bit because, yeah, it's it's basically punching up. It's shitposting if you're punching up. And uh, mm. I, I mean, I was just like losing, losing it at the... Uh, 
Oh God! At the baby thing, at the um, the oh. baby thing, <laughs> the BDSM, 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 yeah, the BDSM babies, because it was just so awful. <laughs> like it just looked so Disturbing. like you just know that the people that they're they're intending to push the buttons of are having their buttons pushed. Oh, they sure were. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, it just it just felt like I don't know. I, I I kind of wonder sometimes about like the end point of techniques like that, mm-hmm. but. Also, in the moment, it feels amazing to watch. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I think that, like, the whole question of trolling was a really difficult one to sort of put my final foot down on. You know, like, I, I it, it's, there is an element of trolling that is inherent to Satanism. Like, you mm-hmm. have to just accept yeah. that that's yeah. true. Um, that, you know, part of the appeal of it is is watching other people respond to you saying you're a Satanist. Yeah. They get very upset about it, and that is kind of fun in a weird right. way. But for them, I think, you know, there's a point to it. Like, you know, yeah. you destabilize someone, you shock and offend them, and then there's, like, interesting work to be done, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so I guess if you're just, like, trolling for the sake of upsetting people and saying, look at how I made you upset, haha, now I'm going to walk away, yeah. like, that doesn't accurately describe the right. Satanic Temple. Yeah. Like, they want to, like, upset people and then have a long conversation yeah. about it. Yeah. And it sounds that was just always like the case. DSA. <laughs> It well, does sound a lot I like mean, DSA. there is it, it is sort of like a merit of doing actions, you know, like Occupy or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, what a lot of the stuff that Jex was doing felt more along mm-hmm. that line or more in that. People kind of... also get mad if you call yourself a socialist. That's true. <laughs> yes. That's yeah, true. it's kind of become a. And then you want to have a long talk with them where you're like, let's wrap out. Let's <laughs> yeah. wrap out, friend. <laughs> it, it is like they are making a point they bring it up early on where they're like why are people so mad about this when what they should be mad about is like the suppression of child molestation by people hiding right, right. in the church for decades that's and they actually, kind of something like, that is actually real as opposed to like this yes. sort of magical thing like this yeah. highly religious right. you hurt my feelings yeah. Yeah, yeah, and to like draw attention to the fact that America is supposedly a nation with freedom of religion but it is like default a Christian you know themed nation because of all of these people like Betsy DeVos and Mike Pence and people right. uh, who are in charge of things. And there's just like, you know, state-sanctioned Islamophobia happening all the time, especially right. now. Right. So to draw attention to these things by using Satanism as a yeah. tool is smart, I yeah. think. But I think so, too. And it's also important to, to say that, you know, that trolling is not the whole thing. Like, I, I sort of made up this number, like 10 percent of what they do is really about trolling. And 90 percent is re- is very inward. It's about right. personal liberation, yeah. finding community, expressing your authentic values. And most of what they do is not public facing. Like, they're not running around doing black masses on the streets. They're doing them privately behind closed doors right. because it has meaning for them. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't sort of wonder – you can't be like, well, how effective is this strategy you have to say look they're satanists they, yeah. they don't care yeah. Yeah. if you think it's offensive at the end of the day that's who they are yeah. it's like saying well don't they know that people hate satan yeah they do but like there's also anti-semitism in the world and no one says well why don't jewish people stop being jewish since right. there are right. some people out there who hate jews some right. people not do a good argument that, i feel like <laughs> yeah well i'm just saying we wouldn't say that <laughs> I, I i was very intrigued by the different you know over the course of the film the temples and their chapters are multiplying across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and we obviously spent some time with uh, um, the folks in Arkansas and in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Did you have a sense of like the vibe of like an L.A. satanic temple, for example, versus a, I don't know, an Idaho one or something? 
Yeah, yeah. it's totally. First of all, it's interesting because it goes against what people assume. Like New York City, LA, these are not the big chapters. Right. Like, you know, because yeah. there's almost kind of no need for it. Right. Like, yeah. you can just walk down the street and be a Satanist. Kind of no one cares. Sure. Nobody cares in LA <laughs> if you're a Satanist. <laughs> it makes you normal. Yeah, no, you can wear devil, you can wear a full Baphomet costume on Hollywood Boulevard. And Excuse me. It's pronounced Baphomet. But then when you get out to like Arizona or Arkansas or Texas or Florida, mm-hmm. like that's where the really intense, big, active chapters yeah. really were. So Arizona kind of seems really lit. Arizona is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I would recommend going to Arizona and going to any of their parties because they like are having a great time. Wow. I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> Field trip. <laughs> yeah, I think people really need and crave community. And so if, Sa- if Satanism provides this community for people that don't want to be in a church but do want to like make friends and hang out i also thought the seven tenets were just great i mean it's it's so so early on i was like i will be a satanist also (laughs) and then the more i learned the more i was like yes i will it was a cool little microcosm of this like budding movement where you just saw you know over the course of three years how something can take off and like be really needed as part of the discourse but also like the kind of inherent problems when you have a bunch of really passionate people mm-hmm. who are dealing in the dark arts. And also when you <laughs> also. have people, I mean, I feel like it, you know, it's about Satanism specifically, but it could be about sort of any kind of yeah. group in terms of group dynamics and the fact that there's like actually individual people right. yeah. with their own personalities who have to like function in a group. That is a difficult thing to achieve. Yeah, yeah. it sure is. And especially when your foundational religious concepts are so much about autonomy, independent mm-hmm. thinking, challenging authority, you know, rebelling against entrenched power. Like, I don't know how you're supposed to do the whole, like, being in church and having, like, a a boss thing, you know? What makes me think about there being not as many uh, people in the New York or L.A. chapters is just that, like, even if it's okay to walk down the street wearing a Baphomet hat there (laughs) or whatever, like, like, you still need that community. And I think that a lot of people, especially people who don't uh, uh, identify with any particular religion or were raised religiously and Mm -hmm. are are out of it, like, they are missing that kind of... Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, that sense of community and and interwovenness with a group of people. Yeah, and you don't get it by being an atheist. No. Yeah. You don't don't get that ready-made kind of group. And so when you asked me before about the different chapters, like, You know, the New York chapter, for example, does a lot of reproductive rights fundraisers in the form of like satanic burlesque shows, but they don't have the same kind of need to like fight the city council or, you know what I mean, engage in that kind of urgency. Right. But they do a lot more tight, like sort of social events, fundraising events for for causes. Yeah. 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 I mean, and as coastal elites, we obviously (laughs) would love to support people that are in places where things like reproductive justice are even on the table where the georgia satanists will join you yeah uh you know just like a little bit at night call one thing that's nice about doing it is we get calls from all over the place and a lot of people it feels like who listen to the show were brought up in a religion yeah Mm -hmm. um Mm, interesting not me personally but tess and emily you both had a little bit of jesus in you a little little bit just a little yeah. bit? Oh, I had a lot of it, but yeah. Penny, yeah, you had a lot of it. Penny, how about you? I had like you zero. Raised... I had like oh. whatever the opposite of a little bit is. <laughs> Were you raised religious at all? Mm-mm. No, I always just felt like it was so confusing. Like I mm. never, I just from the outside was like, what are these people doing? Like I just don't mm, yeah. get it. And I started this particular project 
you know, sort of thinking that I was making a film about like sort of making fun of religious people. And then I came to understand that I was making a film about religious people and that I thought it was pretty cool. And that Mm -hmm. exactly what Emily was saying, that like I realized what I had been missing, frankly, my whole life was. You got converted. (laughs) That's so cool. (laughs) I almost wish I had been converted. I didn't. I didn't become a Satanist, but it did make me kind of yearn for that. Like. What would it take for me to put aside my, like, bizarre, psychotic individualism and, like, join a group? Like, right, I don't know. Right. I still haven't found yeah. the group, but it's making me want to find the group, yeah. you know? No, it's like getting over the Americanness in all of us. <laughs> it's like, I'm yeah. an individual, man. Um, I will say, yeah. also, we did an Exorcist episode not that long ago around Halloween where... Tess and Emily both had a lot of trouble saying Hail Satan over and over <laughs> now, I find it easier after watching the documentary. I'm like, oh, no, if you, if you okay. giggle afterwards, it's fine. <laughs> you giggle you giggle, and then you remember that really what you're saying is like, you know, F theocracy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I love but diversity. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's interesting because I'm like, oh, it's so easy for me or like Penny to say it. Oh, totally. No one ever told us not to. <laughs> well, my, right. my parents were atheists. I just went to a religious school and my extended family was very, very Catholic. So I went through a phase where I was like, you know, the seeds had been sown. That and I... your dad told a story the other night about getting punched in the face by a nun. Yeah, oh you know, that that happened for sure. Uh, so <laughs> wow. maybe I'll convert my parents to Satanism. There we now. go. That's the next step. <laughs> the ministry has begun. Um, well, thank you so much for coming by, Penny. This has been so awesome. Thank you. Uh, this was super fun. I'm a huge fan of the show, so it's fun to be here. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, we're for huge, huge fans, fans of yours. yours. Huge yeah. fans. Thank you well, so much for coming. Well, maybe I'll come back someday. Yeah, yeah please do. And especially I think what you're doing, which is making documentaries that are really like about politics and satire, is very important, especially yes. right now. <laughs> yeah. Everybody see Hail Satan. Yeah. April 17th. 17th. That's a Friday. April 17th. Hail Satan. Yeah. Hail you can Satan. even go on 420 and Hail Satan. Oh, you could. <laughs> uh, check out our other films as well. Check out our Nixon. Check out Nuts. They're all great. Um, Let me know what you think about the Morgellons movie. I know. We have to to get on that. That's our (laughs) next thing. Um, All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. All right. We wanted to take a couple night calls slash emails because we know it's been a second and we are sorry, but we're ready to get back into our mailbox here. Uh, We have a great one from Joe who writes us, howdy night call. I felt inclined to write you gals and I wasn't sure what until I remembered something interesting that I had written about in college and it's perfect night call fuel. Have you ever heard about the occult origins of chiropractic? D.D. Palmer, the man who invented chiropractic, was originally a magnetic healer who claimed to have cured a man's deafness through chiropractic adjustments, which the man fully corroborated. From there, he went on to find the Palmer College of Chiropractic in Iowa, which is still strong today. In a letter, Palmer wrote that he came up with the idea for chiropractic from the ghost of a medical doctor, and then he wanted to turn chiropractic into a religion. The entire thing actually caused a divide in the chiropractic field, which kind of still goes on to this day. A professor at my university actually wrote a book about chiropractic and how it connects to populism and metaphysics. The entire thing is absolutely wild, and I wonder, what is the night call take on chiropractic and other kinds of alternative healing? Thank you for reading and happy night call from Joe. Wow, what a great call. Such a great night call. I love it. I love it. Um, I had no idea about any of this stuff. I knew that so. people had said that chiropractic is, I guess, what the discipline is called, was quackery, but I didn't really know why. Yeah. 
I knew right. that people were like, it's not real medicine. It looks like real medicine, but it's this other thing. I thought it was sort of like massage therapy or something where it was like not technically a doctor, but like it's still good for you and feels right. good. Uh, well, it's like alternative medicine, but it doesn't fall within the realm of Eastern medicine. So it's like hard to like, because I lot, feel like a lot yeah. of that stuff gets othered because it is Eastern medicine. Yes, totally. But this is just like Western, but not official, uh, official, <laughs> official, <laughs> like uh, medically, uh, also, I don't know, I, condoned I think, practices. Right. But also I'm like, Eastern medicine is real. This is like somebody made it up. <laughs> Right. I mean, Eastern medicine is a discipline. This is like uh, an Elizabeth Holmes of the. Well, 1800s. they just like crack your. I mean, I don't know. I've I I dated somebody once who, who went to a chiropractic a couple times. They crack. Your I back. don't really. They just crack your back. Like so, what? I don't like people do that on their. I I personally am like completely. I I, I hate cracking anything in my body. I um, also feel that way. I, I love to crack. I do it, oh, but I, I don't. Crack. I feel not like, even your knuckles. I do it constantly, so but I don't. So good. I can't snap. I have to say, the other day I was cracking my neck, and I was like, I could have a horror movie where the only horrific scene is a person stretching, and you hear like crack, 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 and you just hear crack, <laughs> and then it's like that's it, that's it. No. Chiropractic horror. Yeah, I know. That's actually a really un- un- unexplored genre. There, somebody was telling me also about like cornflakes. Like Kellogg was like a weirdo. A oh yeah, weirdo, yes, all that yes. stuff. Just things that are like we accept as graham being, crackers, right? Yeah. The anti-masturbation cracker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I don't, yeah, I, I don't have any experience of this or secondhand experience of this. I have done, the only kind of Eastern thing I've done is, um, uh, is uh, I've done some acupuncture, but not regularly enough where, like, I know some people who do it all the time and they're like, it's like a life changer. I have my life before and after I started I think I also think acupuncture is real, although I've never had it done, but I would totally well, be interested. The crazy thing about acupuncture from when I was doing it, and I did it because I had some weird thing with my hand where I started to just be like overtaken with pain in one of my hands and mm-hmm. it wasn't. Ever like, since we saw tunnels. Madonna getting naked acupuncture in a body mm-hmm. of evidence. She oh, needs yeah, it for her yeah. cycle. But like I so I went in and I just had it done on my my hand and then some on my back and my shoulders because I've always had a lot of tension there. And the crazy thing about it, at least where I did it, I have no idea what the standard is at all, at all is that they would put like a kind of heater over me. And I don't know if it was the heater or if it was acupuncture, but, like, I sweat so much. Like, it wasn't enough heat that it should make me feel like I was in a sauna, but I was, like, I was sweating like I was in a sauna. It was just a little heat so I wouldn't be chilly. Um, But I was, like, like pouring sweat. And I was, like, there's something weird going on here. I don't know what it is, but, like. Could it be that you're filled with needles under a heater? (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. But I felt totally relaxed otherwise. I was just, like, Did your hand feel better? That's the real question. Yeah. Yeah, I did it for about two uh, two months, and it felt uh, it felt like I would say fifty percent better after that, and then kind of faded away after that. And I have I, I'm reminded of it because it actually came back like a little bit recently, and I'm like, oh, do I need to go back? But I don't know. So many of these things rely on the placebo effect, right? Uh, right, being a psychologically powerful thing. Because I feel like if you went to a chiropractor and you thought your back was going to feel better, and then it did because you thought it would. Right. You There's also like feel the laying on of hands can be, you know, sometimes like it, it is like People's just someone feeling around in there. Things are going to pop back into place, I would guess. 
You can tell I have. You think people crave the human touch? (laughs) Maybe. Well, no, totally. But just like that's the thing with massage and like a completely non-sexual way too. I feel like it gets it goes there all the time. But like I don't know. I remember having like a long (laughs) dry spell, (laughs) getting getting a massage, and it's like, oh yeah, like it's sort of nice to like be in close proximity (laughs) with somebody, not in a sexy way at all. It's just like, oh, another human. Exactly. Yeah. Also, though, if you ever want to have a fun time, I don't know if this is going to be the case with any place you look at, but I was looking at chiropractors a while ago. My husband had like a back problem and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll figure out what it is. Like, I'll be a doctor who figures it out. And I started looking at chiropractors on Yelp and like the bad chiropractor reviews sure make you be like, no, thank you. Not going to yeah. roll Ugh, the dice on yeah. this. Because you're just like, just, oh, and then I could. And then it was like so horrible and so much worse. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's like I don't want to let a stranger crack my back. No. But I, I sh- I'm telling you that you guys should start cracking your back. It's amazing. Once you start. I don't even know how to. Well, you just, if like, you want to crack your your neck, it's a good place to start. I feel like start. it's probably not the best thing to do. sit up straight and go side to side. I think what you should probably do. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should not be advising a bunch of people to do I think you're supposed it. to not do it. I think you're supposed to stretch. But when you stretch, it's okay. going to crack. That's all like, you do is like stretch and then kind of. But I think the cracking is like if side, you're like going herky jerk. <laughs> going to herky jerk. And they want you to do it all slow. <laughs> or maybe we all have arthritis from sitting in front of computers for like 5,000 years. I don't, which is I what I arthritis. personally think. Or looking down at screens. I also, my crazy theory. Yeah. It's my craziest theory. I haven't said on night call yet. I think maybe. Oh boy. I think all antidepressants might be placebos. Oh, interesting. Um, but that have something in them that makes you addicted to them. So you can't go off them because you have there to keep There is a very uh, fascinating article on antidepressants in The New Yorker. I think this current issue right now that kind of tracks this woman's going on and off of about like 10 different antidepressants and like antipsychotics and stuff like that. And it... I think that there's something in them. I don't know what it, what it, I mean, yeah, but it, 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 it's definitely, uh, it's an industry for sure. There's something in them and they can't tell you what it is, which is to me what signals that it might be pseudoscience because they're always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're like, no one can prove it works that way. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds a little bit like a blood machine. Yeah. Um, I take them because I can't stop, but yeah, that's how they get you. Who wrote the New Yorker Uh, article? Was it Rachel Aviv? I can't remember. Oh, it is Rachel Aviv. That's my friend's wife. Oh, yeah. Cool. Okay, we have time for one more night call. Um, We're working our way through the backlogs, so if you haven't heard your night call, stay tuned. We'll hopefully answer it soon. This one comes from Joel. Hi, night call. I'm emailing from the glamorous state of Rhode Island, or as I like to call it, the New Jersey of Boston. I'm currently spending time volunteering at my public access station and writing my own public access show, which brings me to the question, do you have any gems of public access TV that you have fond memories of, either flipping through channels or finding it on YouTube? I'm curious if anything has stood out to you. Thanks for the great podcast. Best regards, Joel. I love public access. My favorite public access show is Francine Dancer. Tell us a more. show on LA Public Access, which is this woman, she would do belly dancing. And it was just like a half hour of her belly dancing. And her name was Francine Dancer. Sometimes she like takes some clothes off, Ooh. but never the full thing, which oh. is part of what makes the show just riveting. Yeah. It's like maybe this time. <laughs> um, I loved that show. 
And where the, was that? That was in LA. LA had some really mm. good public access people. A lot of them ended up being on Tim and Eric. Oh yeah. There was yeah. a guy with like a ventriloquist dummy. They kind of like scraped all the good public access people. Um, yeah. Except for maybe Francine Dancer. I don't know if they got her. She's my favorite. And the Unarius March of the Planets, which is Ooh. when Unarius, the UFO religion, would buy up time to show their propaganda, which is amazing. Which oh, is... my God. Can we get that put on? Yes. Let's get called... that addended to the oh, night call. It's so good. Episode. Unarius, <laughs> they were like a, like a guy started a UFO cult. It's, you know, a lot of stuff where it's like the rapture is right. the aliens coming. Of course. And then um, he died. His wife took over. There's all I used the picture of her being the empress of the planets for a night call yes, flyer. Yes, for a DJ, for a DJ night maybe? Yes. Yeah. And they have like a center in Southern California we should go to. But they had this thing, it was just like these ni- or 80s or 90s videos that's like a parade where each person is a planet and they hold the sign of that planet and they wear these amazing robes. It was the best. That's awesome. Um, true Hollywood weirdos. Great stuff. My dream is that um, Night Call has a weekly public access show in yes. addition to our podcast yes and colin sleazy friends which was the show that i took the title Molly oh sleazy friends yeah from. colin oh. sleazy friends was like a public access show where a guy would just interview porn stars and comedians in the valley oh my god that's sounds- awesome Amazing. it was awesome and they sold shirts for it at 2020 video uh-huh. and my like great regret is never buying the shirt you know yeah the colin sleazy yeah. friends shirt that's the vibe we're always aiming for. Yeah. Here. <laughs> the one public access project that I've never seen, but my husband grew up watching this, was a, on the student channel at um, UNC Chapel Hill. And there was a student run and produced uh, soap opera that ran for, I think, like decades. Um, and like a new class would always take over and continue the story. And it just went on and on and on. I, I love that idea, though. Like, I would totally do that if I was in college again. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We will be back next week. But if you have any thoughts, questions, comments about the occult, cults, public access, food, whatever, erotic odysseys, please give us a call at 24046-NIGHT. You can also drop us an email at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to follow us on social, we are Nightcall Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Nightcall Pod on Twitter. And make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe if you're enjoying the podcast. We will see you back next week. Bye. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules Today, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.